Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us and Happy New Year. Just a quick reminder, you can, of course, listen to The Landscape by visiting our website anytime at cranescleveland.com. You can also subscribe at uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeart, nearly anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to find The Landscape. Well, we can say at best 2022 might be described as a mediocre year as the Browns limp to the finish line with a 7-9 record. We've asked our sports business reporter Joe Scalzo to join us to give us a quick look back at the season. Joe, there's one ground rule. You can't ask me about my preseason conversation with you when I asked <laughs> if the Browns are 7-3 and three or 7-4 and four when Deshaun Watson comes back. Wow, that didn't go that way, did it? <laughs> oh, they won seven games. They did. <laughs> Just not in the right order. <laughs> Let us first acknowledge that that them winning seven games uh, is at least a step forward from some other years. So stay positive before we go negative. So let's start with actually the news of the day, the announcement that Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, was fired. Now, obviously, the defense didn't play up to par, but is that a question of injuries or do they just not have the right personnel or a combination of both? Uh, you know, I think anybody who watched last yesterday's game against the Steelers, it kind of summed up what Joe Woods' defense is like, you know, he's they're they're very hard to do like three good plays in a row. Um, so uh, I think there was just guys that that didn't feel like they were in the right spot. So there's miscommunications in the secondary all the time. It just even when they played well, it was usually like at the end of the season after it was already decided. So I think in this case, like nobody was really going to bat for him to stay. Um, I think they took a gamble on a guy who was kind of an up and comer from the the 49ers staff a few years ago, they gave him three years. It didn't really work. You know, whether the rest of the ship should be blown up, I don't know. But in this case, I think this was the logical move for them to make um, just so that at least, you know, they can try something new uh, heading into next year. When you look at the defense, and this may be a difficult question, what are the biggest holes? Is the defensive line, they didn't have much productivity outside Miles Garrett, or is it the linebackers or a little bit of each? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's definitely both of those things. Especially the interior, the, their defensive tackles. They've they've tried to draft a few. I think there's a a sense that they don't care about that position. I think that's overblown a little bit. I think they've just missed on some of their signings and some of their draft picks. So defensive tackles, um, they've been getting gashed in the run game. And then you know their linebackers. It's a, it's a position they don't really value, um, especially like off the ball middle, middle linebacker types. Um, they don't value that in the organization, but. They've had really, really bad players, and some of that's injuries. Anthony Walker was supposed to be a guy there that helped him. He got hurt earlier in the year. Sion Takitaki was a guy that kind of played okay. He got hurt, um, but for the most part, they've just they've just kind of misfired on some draft picks there as well. And and um, so yeah, other than Miles Garrett, they don't really have a lot in that front seven, and even their defensive backs, which kind of come highly touted. Um, Greedy Williams was a second-round pick in 2019. He was a colossal uh, miss, and uh, so th there's some holes there. It's just, but you know, scheme-wise, if you watched yesterday with the the Steelers, you, there was just so many plays where you'd be like, "Oh, that was a really creative blitz," or "Boy, you know, the Browns seem to be caught off guard with that," and you just never really felt like that was happening with Joe Woods. He did a lot of zone. It was kind of a bend but don't break defense, and they just eventually broke a lot, and so. Um, that's a long answer to your question, but I, I think that the emphasis will be defensive tackles and linebackers, but um, they, you know, they just need playmakers and they don't really have a lot of those. Now preface this by saying no one would ever accuse him of dogging it or faking it, but another year, another year that Denzel Ward is hurt. I'm not trying to be facetious, but I mean, the poor guy is always hurt. Is that, <laughs> is that really a concern? I mean, each year he seems to have an injury. 
Yeah, he, he's a guy who produces when he's on the field, but he's just, you know, you can just eyeball him. He's He's got a thin frame. I'm on record of saying that I don't know how anybody in the NFL stays healthy. So, uh, you know, I certainly empathize. But, yeah, I mean, you're playing big-time bucks to a guy that, when he's on the field, is probably a Pro Bowl-level player, uh, but he's not going to be on the field probably more than 10 to 12 games a year, at least, you know, kind of on his history. So, um, you know, that's a concern, too. Yeah, I mean, it's – you know, nice to have those top end talents, but they have to play 15, 16, 17 games a year uh, when they're making the kind of money Denzel Ward's making, or else it, you know, puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the guys that are, aren't making quite as much. So obviously, this year was a roll of the dice. The Browns were waiting Deshaun Watson. And your heart of hearts, and I know you're not in the, in, at Berea, do you think they really thought we might be able to sneak into the playoffs, or was it really this, we're going to get through this year and see what happens? Oh, I mean, I think they thought they had a playoff level team, not a, not a Super Bowl team, but I think there was an expectation that they should win nine or 10 games and get the playoffs. Um, Jacoby Brissett played pretty well. I don't think he was necessarily the problem. Sean Watson did not play well once he got back. I think, he, you know, out of the 12 halves that he played, I would say he only played at a Pro Bowl level in one of those. He looked pretty bad in, in some other ones, so... Um, I, I think it was a miscalculation of how close they were. That's one of the reasons they went on all in on, on Deshaun Watson. I think they certainly didn't expect him to, to miss 11 games, nor did they expect him to be as rusty as he was. But, um, you know, the the adage in the NFL is that you are what your record says you are. I watched every game, 7 and 10 sounds right to me. I mean, and even those games, they only beat two quality teams that were making the playoffs. That's the Buccaneers and the Bengals on Halloween night. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if anything, this season showed that they are they are not that close. But I think there's a sense maybe with a whole year to Sean Watson, another defensive coordinator, and some maybe some some draft picks or free agent signings. They're not going to be a lot of money for that, but they they can maybe make a run to the, to the postseason. Which, you know, to me, after you've been as bad as they've been over the last 25 years. <sighs> Set your sights on playoffs and then try to build like a championship type program after that. Anytime a team performs poorly, the fingers get pointed at the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. We heard his decision making is too rigid, that he didn't adjust well, that overall in game adjustments were not good. Is this seat warm in any way? Um yeah, I think if there's if there's seven and ten next year, he'll he'll get fired. I mean, that's probably almost certain. I think it's a, a playoff or bust type year heading for him and for Andrew Barry, their general manager as well. Um, I, I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski by new Brown standards is, is a really good coach, but by NFL standards, I don't know. I mean, uh, again, you know, I'll compare him to, to Kyle Shanahan over at the San Francisco 49ers. You know, you watch those teams. It doesn't matter who's on the field. They scheme up like really great stuff and their offenses are always creative and interesting. And I think we saw that kind of in Kevin's first year and the last couple of years, it's just seemed kind of in the same plays and the same results. So his seat's hot. I think anytime you're, you're working for Jimmy Haslam, your seat is hot just because he's a guy who has a, a reputation for patience. But yeah, this, this coming off season is really, really crucial for, for both Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. There certainly was a lot of discussion in Columbus about it's time for Coach Ryan Day to relinquish the play calling duties, and we're hearing of that about Stefanski too. Do you think that's a possibility? I don't. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think Kevin is open to that, and I think it would be difficult at this point, you know, kind of heading into a make or break year to find someone really talented in that area. Um, I think there's hope just that that with a, a full year of Deshaun Watson, maybe he can figure something out, but. 
you know, and, and again, you know, as a fan or as a reporter, you're just looking at, at what's in front of you. We don't know the plays that were there and the quarterback just couldn't make it because he didn't process it quickly enough or, you know, the throw was off or those types of things. So I, I think not that saying Stefanski is a genius or anything, but it could be deeper than that. Um, it could be deeper than, than Kevin's as a problem. And, and certainly the, the, you know, the front office, Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta believe in him. So, um, you know, this is the first coach and GM that will get a fourth year with the Browns since Phil Savage and Romeo Cornell back huh. in 2005, 2008. So there's something to be said for, for just not doing the knee jerk thing. The Browns always do and firing everybody. So, you know, we'll see, but you know, this next year I'll say a lot of think about, about everybody. This episode of the landscape is brought to you by Delta dental of Ohio. With offices in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Dublin, Delta Dental of Ohio is proud to be an industry leader in dental benefits. Together with our customers, providers, and employees, we build a higher standard of oral health care in our communities. And we are more than dental. At Delta Dental of Ohio, we work with entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are committed to improving the health and well-being of all Buckeyes. Together, we are building healthy, smart, Vibrant communities for all. Joe Scalzo is Cranes Cleveland's sports business reporter. He joins us today for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Joe, does this team lack leadership? <laughs> I mean, when I look at the players, I mean, I, I get it. Deshaun Watson didn't play that much and that whole nine yards, but I just sort of feel like there's they're not nobody's out there sort of inspired and nobody's sort of like let's go rally the troops. I know this is professional football is about money, but you still got to be mm-hmm. fired up to play. Yeah, I mean, some of the problem is Deshaun Watson wasn't going to be that guy coming in late. And some of their best players are not, you know, rah-rah guys. Amari Cooper is a quiet guy. Nick Chubb is a quiet guy. You know, Joe Batonio is kind of a, not necessarily quiet, but he's, you know, he's a guard. He's not going to fire people up. So I think Miles Garrett has some of that. But yeah, I think there's some leadership issues. And and certainly Kevin Stefanski being a quiet guy, you know, it all kind of just, um, you just go, hey, where's the fire? Where's the Mike Tomlin like energy that you get like the Steelers had yesterday? But you know, at the same time, if you win, then everybody says, oh, you know, that that quiet, you know, solid, consistent thing is what makes them work. So, and if you lose and you're fiery, then the people are like, oh, then they tuned them out. So, I, I think it just <laughs> when you throw a lot of touchdowns and keep people out of the end zone, whatever leadership you have works. But in this case, I think that they they would benefit from from someone that's a little bit fiery, but you know, they, they don't have that guy necessarily. And the, the, the thing is they have a guy like Jadavian Clowney who does have a little bit of fire and he popped off and ran his mouth before the Steelers game and got benched. So you need to have uh, the right player with the right personality and the right leadership approach. And, um, but you know, it's kind of a, 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 a never ending problem in Berea that, that the locker room never seems to be like, really, really, really solid in that way. So um, I think that's a, a fair observation, Dan. You mentioned Genevian Clowney and his problems, and obviously there's no Brown season complete without controversy. And you also mentioned Miles Garrett, who certainly had a fine year, but he really had some dust-ups off the field. Yeah, you know, he, he uh, wrecked his car, <laughs> which is never a good thing, going too fast. And and uh, he was just, you know, had to set out a series two days ago, two games ago because of something that happened internally. You don't want to see that from your – you know, your best player, your second best player. So, yeah, again, I mean, it, it's always something with the Browns. There's never like just a smooth drama free season. And, you know, but I, I, you know, Miles Garrett is not the problem, obviously. 
no. uh, <laughs> you put up with like a couple of things with him. He, he bruises 16 sacks. He gets double teamed. He plays hurt. Um, I think, you know, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if, if he didn't have that other stuff going on off the field, but yeah, he, he's, you know, we look at that defense, he's the one rock that they have. And, and, uh, he's the one guy that, that, uh, you know, a defensive coordinator that, you know, there's some talented candidates out there that they're going to look at. That's the first guy they're going to say, yeah, I want to coach that guy. So at the beginning of the season, we talked about Kareem Hunt and his role and his desire to be traded. Where do we end now at this, at the, as the season's come to a conclusion? I mean, I think it's pretty clear Kareem Hunt's probably not going to play for the Browns again. And and he really didn't look like the same player this year that he, he had been in years past. I mean, he's still violent. He's still a good receiver. But that burst that, uh, that you hope to see didn't really show a ton of it. So he was making $6 million. That's too much for a backup quarter or running back in the NFL anyway. And I think it's time they move on. They, they really started to show Jerome Ford who was their uh, running back they picked last year out of Cincinnati, a former Alabama player too. And I think they, they really like him. And uh, I think they'll, they'll look to probably use him and, and uh, Kareem will play elsewhere next year, which, you know, I, I, I personally have very positive memories of him. He was fun to watch and, you know, he's obviously part of that special 2000 season. So um, if, if this was the last for him in Cleveland, I, you know, I, I wish him well and, and, uh, you know, hope he does well. You know, obviously he's a, he's a Cleveland guy himself, just, you know, growing up. So, uh, but we'll, we'll probably see him in a different uniform next year. So what happened to Jernis Johnson? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I know, okay, he's not Gale Sayers or whatever, but the guy gets after it when he plays. No, I agree. I, I think there's a case to be made that he's a better short yardage back than anybody they had in their roster. He just had a way of, of getting four yards when it looked like there were only two there. Um, so yeah, it was kind of disappointing. He didn't get more opportunities. Um, and I, he's another guy that maybe you'll see elsewhere next year. I hope he gets some carries, but I thought he really produced when he, when he had an opportunity in 2021. And, and like you said, where was he? He played special teams. He didn't really get the ball. And, uh, you know, that happens when you're behind Nick Chubb, but I think there was a case to be made that he's one of your better players and you should get him the ball certainly more than, than like Anthony Schwartz on an end around, which we saw or Demetri Felton every once in a while. So. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I would have liked to seen him play more. I'm not sure exactly why, other than they just kind of preferred some other guys. Critics of the Browns front office, and this goes beyond the current regime. If you go back to Mike Junkin, if, if you can remember that far back, that the Browns <laughs> dog in the meat market, yeah, that the Browns draft do poorly at draft time. You can mention Brady Quinn or Corey uh, Coleman or Justin Gilbert. Then you look at other teams, you're like, well, that guy got drafted in 2016, and he's now a productive member of the team, and you don't really see that with the Browns. How did their rookies do this year? The guys who they did draft. Um, you know, I, I would say Martin Emerson was, you know, um, kind of the standout from there. He, he was a, I think he was a third round pick. You know, they obviously picked up Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick. Those are the two off season things that I kind of like off the top of my head, I think about, um, the rest of their players. Yeah. I mean, Alex Wright played a little bit at defensive end. He kind of came on, I think a little bit more at the end of the season. David Bell was a, a wide receiver that had a couple moments. Um, Perry and Winfrey is a defensive tackle. He, he had a play or two yesterday, but he was invisible. And I think he struggled with some immaturity, you know, and the big miss really was Cade York, their kicker yeah. who everybody thought was going to be just dynamite. And he missed some big kicks, man. You know, he, he's a rookie and obviously, you know, he's got talent. You, you stick with him, but um, everybody got really excited when he beat the Panthers in week one. And then, um, he just he just wasn't consistent enough, uh, and by the time he kind of figured things out, I think toward the end of the season, 
it, it was too late. So um, it's hard to gauge a, a draft class until maybe three years out. Um, I think there's some guys with some promise, but not having a first round pick really, you know, hurt them. They, they traded away for Deshaun Watson. You know, those are the guys that usually are the difference makers, especially at like premium positions, like they need a, a defensive end or a wide receiver or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's like you said, the bad teams draft poorly, but uh, the one thing I will say, they at least had some consistency. They at least were able to draft for a couple of years in the same system knowing what the coaches are looking like looking for. And so, um, you know, maybe there's going to be some internal growth, but you know, really it, we talk about drafting. If Deshaun Watson starts playing like an all pro player, we don't talk about drafting. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, then it doesn't matter how well they draft because they're stuck. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting though, that, that, uh, you know, you see some, some highlights this year, but I don't know that you see any like, real difference makers other than Martin Emerson from their draft class. One of the things we talked about in the preseason, and much was made of this, is that a number of fans indicated their unhappiness with the signing of Deshaun Watson and the y'all never come back and watch the Browns again and that sort of thing. Did that play out? Do we know? What was attendance like and TV ratings and that sort of thing? Uh, I, I think fans, uh, if they actually quit watching teams as often as they promised they would, right. um, the NFL would not be the moneymaker it is. <laughs> I do, you know, I, I work with someone who said she, she kind of laughed about how this was her year to, to, it was the perfect year to give up the Browns. Cause she finally did. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you think this year was the perfect year? I would argue that 1999 was the perfect year. <laughs> but uh, I, I think some people did. I don't, I don't get the sense that very many people did. And, and frankly, I think by the time um, Deshaun Watson came back, the outcry was sort of died down. I think most, most people just moved on and, and, watched him as they would any other player attendance was normal you know there wasn't a huge number of play or fans at the end of the season because it was cold and they were bad which is normal ratings probably were a little bit down but again i I think losing matters more than anything that they do um off the field and and that sounds that sounds bad but that's the way that is with the nfl most people have sort of made their peace with that kind of thing. So not that I'm saying that you should, or that people shouldn't have banned, you know, or, or boycotted the team or anything, but I don't think, I don't think that was a, a, you know, a big issue this year. So finally, what are we looking forward to as we head into this the off season in 2023 free agent signings, that kind of thing. Is there anything we can anticipate as we get ready for yet another season? Well, they're, they're, they're they don't have calorie salary cap space, which is unusual for the Browns. Uh, usually they, they're pretty active. I think they have eight draft picks, but again, not a first round pick. So there's not a, a ton that they can do other than maybe, you know, hitting on some of those later picks or pulling off a trade or finding money somewhere. But I think the growth has to be that to come internally, both from Deshaun Watson and, you know, they really need to to nail that uh, that defensive coordinator hire. Um, they've already looking at two guys, Brian Flores, who, who used to be a head coach of the Miami Dolphins and was a linebackers coach for the Steelers. John Mayo, uh, who was kind of the de facto defensive coordinator with the Patriots. Um, he's only been coaching for a couple of years. He was a pretty good NFL player, and he's kind of considered an up-and-coming star. So those are the two names that they've already requested permission to, to hire. And, and uh, you know, if you can get improvement, maybe go from being the 20th best defense in the league to, like, the 10th best. And if Deshaun Watson can make a jump, then suddenly you're in the playoffs and you're building – can't do that then dan we're gonna be back here next year <laughs> having the uh, same conversation <laughs> having the same conversation with different names <laughs> let's let's hope that's not the case we'll find out we'll i'm sure we'll talk about this in august joe scalzo always glad when you can join us 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. Joe Scalzo is Crane's sports business reporter. He joined us today for The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.